Section 15 of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Modern Magic, a practical treatise on the art of conjuring, by Professor Lewis Hoffman. Card Tricks Requiring Special Apparatus, Part 2. The Jumping Cards two or three cards having been drawn, returned, and shuffled, to make them jump out of the pack. This trick is somewhat similar in working to that of the rising cards as performed in the hand, which we have just described. The course of the two tricks is precisely the same up to the point when, the two or three cards having been drawn and returned, you have got them all to the top of the pack. Here, however, the resemblance ceases. In the present case, you drop the whole pack into an open-mouthed box made for that purpose, and announce that, although the chosen cards have been replaced in different parts of the pack, and the whole have since been thoroughly shuffled, you have only to blow upon them in order to separate them visibly from the rest of the pack. You blow upon the box accordingly, when the chosen cards instantly fly out of the pack, rising to a height of three or four feet, and fall on the table. The secret of the trick, apart from the sleight of hand necessary to bring the chosen cards together at the top of the pack, lies in the box. It is in general appearance something like a miniature pedestal for a statue, but hollow, and open at the top, the cavity being rather more than large enough to hold a pack of cards. It is divided longitudinally into two compartments, the foremost being large enough to hold a whole pack, the hindmost to hold only three or four cards the partition between the two coming about halfway up the box. The bottom of the larger compartment is level with the top of the plinth, but the smaller is open to the whole depth, save that across it is a steel spring about half an inch in width. Figure 47 represents a section of the apparatus, capital A being the upper part, of which small a is the larger or front compartment, and small b the smaller compartment at the back. Capital B is the plinth. Capital A is so constructed as to slide forwards on, or rather in, B, to the extent of about an eighth of an inch, but is prevented doing so, in the normal condition of the apparatus, by the spring small c, which is screwed to the bottom of capital A, its free end pressing against the side of the plinth. If, however, the spring be pressed down from above so as to be below the level of the shoulder small d, for which purpose a thin slip of wood is supplied with the apparatus, and capital A be at the same time pushed towards small d, it will slide forward to the position indicated in figure 48, and the spring small c will be held down beneath the shoulder small d. This is the condition in which the apparatus is first exhibited to the audience. After turning it over to show that there are no cards already concealed in it, the performer places it in the pack first, however, slipping his little finger between the chosen cards, which are on the top, and the rest of the pack, so as to enable him to drop the chosen cards into the smaller compartment at the back, where they rest upon the bent spring. See figure 48. Standing behind the box, and placing his hands around the plinth, as if to hold it steady, the fingers of each hand being in front, and the thumb behind, he blows smartly upon the box, at the same moment pushing A forward with the thumbs to the position which it occupies in figure 47, the spring, small c, being drawn back with it beyond the shoulder, small d, is released, and instantly flies up to its old position, 
shooting out of the box the cards resting upon it. This trick is sometimes, like that of the rising cards, worked with a forcing pack, duplicates of the forced cards being placed beforehand in the hinder compartment. This method, however, is very inferior to that above described, and would hardly be adopted by any performer who had acquired a competent mastery of sleight of hand. To make a card stand upright by itself on the table. This is a little trick of hardly sufficient importance to be performed by itself, but as an incident introduced in the course of some more pretentious illusion, produces a very good effect. A great deal of the sparkle of a conjuring entertainment depends upon the performer's readiness in what may be called by-play, consisting of a number of minor tricks not supposed to form part of the settled program, but merely introduced incidentally, and used, as it were, as a garnish to the more important feats. Thus, when a coin, an egg, or other small article is required for the purpose of a trick, the performer may fetch it openly from behind the scenes, or have it handed to him by his servant. But this is a commonplace proceeding. The higher class of performers prefer in such cases to produce the article from the hair, whiskers, or pocket of one of the audience, and, in like manner, when the article has served its purpose, to make it vanish by some magical process, rather than by the prosaic methods of everyday life. These little incidents serve to keep the audience on the qui vive, and they further assist materially in keeping up the continuity of an entertainment. In a thoroughly good performance the audience should have no time to think, but should be led direct from one surprise to the contemplation of another. The trick we are about to describe is of the class above alluded to. In the course of one or other of your card tricks, you have or make occasion to ask some person to go and place a given card on the table, or to examine a card already placed there. He does so, and is about to return to his place, but you check him. No, sir, that won't do. I want everybody to see what card it is. Will you be good enough to stand it up on end with its face to the company, so that everybody can see it? He looks foolish, and finally says that he can't do it. Not do it, you reply. My dear sir, it's the simplest thing in the world. Allow me. In taking the card from him, you place it upright on the table, and leave it standing without any visible support. Taking it up again, you hand it round to show that there is no preparation about it, and on receiving it back again, stand it upright, but with the other end upwards, or, if challenged, allow the audience themselves to choose a card which you cause to stand alone with equal facility. The secret lies in the use of a very small and simple piece of apparatus, being in fact merely a strip of tin or sheet brass, an inch and a half in length, and five-eighths of an inch in width, bent at a shade less than a right angle, say eighty-five degrees, its shorter arm being one-third of its length. On the outer surface of the long arm is spread a thin layer of beeswax, made more adhesive by the addition of a small portion of Venice turpentine and to the inner surface of the shorter arm is soldered a small piece of lead, about an eighth of an inch thick. When you desire to perform the trick, you have this little appliance concealed in your right hand, the longer arm between the first and second fingers, and the shorter arm pointing towards the little finger. Picking up the card with the left hand, you transfer it to the right, taking hold of it in such a manner that the fingers shall be behind and the thumb in front of the card. 
As you place the card on the table, which, by the way, must be covered with a cloth, you press against it the waxed side of the slip of tin, which will slightly adhere to it, and thus form a prop or foot, the little lump of lead acting as a counterpoise to the weight of the card. You pick it up with the same hand, and as you transfer it to the other, you will find no difficulty in removing and secreting between the fingers the little prop. If the wax is properly amalgamated, it should leave no mark on the card. CHANGING CARD BOXES, AND TRICKS PERFORMED WITH THEM The changing card box, in its simplest form, is a small flat box in walnut or mahogany. Its outside measurement is four inches by three, and not quite an inch deep. Inside it is just large enough to admit an ordinary-sized playing card. The upper and lower portions of the box, which are connected by hinges, are exactly alike in depth, and each is polished externally, so that the box, which, when open, lies flat like a book, may be closed either way up, and either portion will, according as it is placed, become box or lid in turn. Thus, by using a card which unknown to the audience has two faces, for example, is an ace of hearts on the one side, and an ace of spades on the other, and placing such card in one side of the open box, you have only to close the box with that side uppermost, or to turn over the box as you place it on the table to transform the card just shown into a different one. There is nothing in the appearance of the box itself to indicate that it has been turned, so to speak, wrong side up, and a very little practice will enable you to turn it over as you place it on the table without attracting observation. There is a further appliance in connection with the box in question which, however, may be used with or without it, as may best suit the trick in hand. This is a loose slab, small a, of the same wood of which the interior of the box is made, of the thickness of cardboard, and of such a size as to fit closely, though not tightly, in either half of the box. When so placed it has the appearance of the inside top, or bottom, of the box. When the box is closed in such manner that the part in which this slab is placed is uppermost, the slab falls into the lower portion, thus forming a false bottom on whichever side happens to be undermost. If a card, say the Ace of Hearts, be secretly placed in either side of the box, and this slab placed on it, the box will appear empty. If now another card, say the Knave of Spades, be openly placed in either side, and the box closed in such manner that the portion containing the false bottom is undermost, no change will take place. But if, either in closing the box or subsequently, it is so placed that the side containing the false bottom becomes uppermost, the false bottom will at once drop into the opposite division, and on reopening the box the ace of hearts will be revealed, and the knave of spades will in its turn be concealed. The effect to the spectators is as if the knave of spades had changed into the ace of hearts. These card boxes are frequently worked in pairs, as follows. The boxes are prepared by placing a different card secretly in each, say an ace of hearts in the one, and a knave of spades in the other. The performer brings them forward to the company, each hanging wide open, and held by one corner only, with the first and second finger inside, and the thumb outside the box, taking care, however, to hold each by the side containing the false bottom, which is thus kept in position by the pressure of the fingers. So held, the boxes appear absolutely empty. Having drawn attention to the entire absence of any preparation, 
the performer lays them open upon the table and taking up a pack of cards requests two of the company each to draw one they of course imagine that they are making a free choice but in reality he forces either by sleight of hand or by means of a forcing pack the ace of hearts and the knave of spades again bringing forward the two boxes he requests each person to place his card in one of them taking care so as to arrange that the person who has drawn the ace of hearts shall place it in the box already containing the concealed knave of spades and vice versa closing each box with the portion containing the false bottom uppermost he now announces that at his command the cards will change places which on reopening the boxes they appear to have done by again turning over the boxes they may be made to return to their original quarters numerous other good tricks may be performed with the aid of these boxes which should form part of the collection of every conjurer by placing a given card beforehand beneath the false bottom and forcing a like card you may allow the card drawn to be torn into twenty pieces and yet by placing the fragments in the box or firing them at it from a pistol restore the card instantly as at first in like manner you may cause a given card to be found in the apparently empty box or may cause a card openly placed therein to vanish altogether the changing box is also sometimes employed by those who are not proficient in sleight of hand as a substitute for forcing in the following manner the performer requests some person to draw a card and without looking at it to place it face downwards in the box for supposed safekeeping the box is presently opened by the same or some other person who is requested to note what the card is he does so believing the card to be that which was drawn and which he had just before seen placed in the box whereas the card he now examines is in reality one concealed beforehand in the box by the performer to suit his purpose the card actually drawn being now hidden by the false bottom the mechanical card box this also is a piece of apparatus for changing a chosen card to another it is somewhat the same in principle as the card boxes last described but differs from them a good deal in detail it is an oblong wooden box in external measurement about four and a half inches by three and a half and four inches high internally the measurement is so arranged that putting the lid out of the question the front of the box is of exactly equal area with the bottom against this front lies a slab of tin or zinc working on a cloth hinge along its lower edge thus rendering it capable of either lying flat on the bottom of the box which it exactly covers or of being folded up against the front the upper edge of which projects slightly inwards so as to aid in concealing it this flap like the whole inside of the box is painted black on one point of its upper surface is a little stud which when the flap is raised fits into a hole prepared for it in the lock across which passes the hinder end or tail of the bolt the box is prepared for use as follows the key is turned as if locking the box which however is held open thus pushing forward the bolt of the lock and the flap is lifted up against the front the stud passing into the little hole before mentioned the key is then again turned as if unlocking the box when the tail of the bolt catches the stud and secures the flap the box will in this condition bear any amount of examination but as soon as it is closed and the key turned to lock it 
the tail of the bolt being again shot forward no longer retains the stud and the flap falls when an actual use a card say the ace of spades is placed upon the flap and folded up with it against the front of the box the card to be changed suppose the nine of diamonds is in due course openly placed in the box which is then handed to someone with a request that he will himself lock it that there may be no possibility of deception the trick proceeds and when the box is again opened the card placed therein is found transformed to the ace of spades some card boxes are so made that the flap instead of falling actually upon the bottom of the box falls parallel to it but at a distance of an inch or so above it leaving a hollow space beneath capable of containing a lady's handkerchief a canary or any other small article which being covered by the falling flap is thus apparently changed into a card the box in this case is somewhat taller in proportion than that above described End of section 15